TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. You know, I took it in when I was coaching, uh, talking earlier to somebody about, I, I think it was Carmel. I probably should look it up, but there was an article uh, when I was coaching the Nick. I think it was him that said, oh, yeah, Jeff's a laid back coach, uh, except for when he pulls out his Jerry Sloan. He goes, but that, that was great because it got everybody's attention. And, and that's kind of how Jerry was, you know. And, and when you're a coach, you take everything from a bunch of your coaches. And, of course, uh, that intensity, uh, uh, and, and that kind of, you can get on guys at times, yet at other times, you know, you can go hang out and talk with them and, and be friendly with them and uh, have that kind of uh, relationship. So uh, he taught me a lot as a, as a player and, you know, led into my coaching. That is local native Jeff Hornacek, former jazz player, on the score yesterday with uh, thoughts on the passing of his former coach, Jerry Sloan. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. We um, we go to the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. We welcome in the voice of the Bulls and a man with um, a, long, a long acquaintance with Jerry Sloan. He is Chuck Swirsky. Chuck, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? How's your quarantine going? Well, I, I am doing well. Thank you. Thank you for asking. I hope you and your family guys are doing well. Um, and uh, we're just you know, taking one day at a time and uh, keeping busy because I'm looking at the uh, draft, the 2020 draft, whenever that's going to be held. And so we just kind of find information, bits and pieces uh, from the score and then uh, from Twitter and what's happening around the globe. Your, Chuck, your a relationship with, with Jerry Sloan, your thoughts when you saw that he passed, share them with us. Well, I first met Jerry in 1979. He was the rookie head coach of the Chicago Bulls, served as an assistant for a year, and then came to the Bulls organization, and Rod Thorne named him head coach. And the uh, 79 team had players such as uh, Artis Gilmore, Reggie Theus, and a collection of other players that were probably on a scale of one to 10, somewhere between maybe a, a, I would say maybe a three to a six, no real superstars. Uh, Gilmore was still in his prime a little bit. Theus was coming into his own as a scorer in the league. And Jerry, from the moment he arrived as a head coach, wanted defense. And, uh, you know, was really looking for, another Jerry Sloan out there, which obviously were very, very difficult to find. 
Uh, but that's the way he wanted to play, that style of play. Yeah, I mean, obviously the guy was uh, slowing a four-time first-team All-NBA on the defensive side of the ball. And, Chuck, you wrote something I thought was pretty poignant. I think it was on Facebook. And part of what you wrote about your friend Jerry Sloan is is his spirit, his passion, his refusal to accept mediocrity will continue to be embedded in my DNA. How did that manifest itself, um, his refusal to accept mediocrity? How did that run his his life, his way of doing things? Well, you know what, Mark? It, it really started when he was a, a, a young boy. He grew up in downstate Illinois on a farm, one of 10 children. His father died when he was four years old. And, you know, our, our, when we were kids, our grandparents would say, I walked to school seven miles in the rain and the snow and the sleep. <laughs> but in the case of Jerry Sloan, he did walk to school. And it was probably a couple of miles away, and he walked. And he would come home, pick up a basketball after doing the farm chores early in the morning. Then when he got home, and he would shoot hoops. And he played high school ball, went to Evansville, terrific player for the Purple Aces, then went to the NBA with the old Baltimore Bullets, now the Washington Wizards. And he was the first original Chicago Bull. And, um, you know, I think he, he so appreciated the game, guys. And he loved everything about basketball from a team concept. And as we revered the 69 Cubs, I think if you talk to basketball fans who lived through the 70s with the Bulls, they can recite that starting five for the Bulls with Jerry Sloan, Norm Van Leer, although Guy Rogers was a member of the original Bulls in 66, but you had Chet Walker, you had Bob Love, and Borwinkle. And that club resonated throughout the city as far as the toughness and the grit and the intensity. And when they took the floor, opposing teams knew they were in for a long game because you were sent to the floor a lot. And Conversely, the Bulls players knew they were going to get hit and hit hard. But that was Jerry Sloan. That's the way he approached it. We're talking with Chuck Swirsky here on The Score. He's the voice of the Bulls. We're talking about uh, Jerry Sloan, the former Bulls player, Bulls coach, former Jazz coach, passed away. The, the, a lot of fans who might have had no idea about the, the work ethic of a Jerry Sloan of a player um, certainly saw the excellence as a coach if they watched the last dance and the last two Bulls championships ran up, they ran up against the, the Jazz, the Jazz ran up against the Bulls and that's how they had to, they had to do it and that was the kind of team that he, he just, he, he had a tough team, a disciplined team in, in a team that was like him as a player and I don't know if it's, it just, them coming up short, the way you, that team of the, the 74, 75 team coming up short, it just had a um, sort of a mirror image about it. They were tough. They were respected. There were no excuses afterwards. It was just play hard, give our best, and see how it turns out. I found, I found that um, sound, sort of mirroring each other, Chuck. I don't know if I'm at a yeah, I'm you're right about that, but I, I found no. that to be very similar. Very similar. You know, he, um, I remember uh, talking with a number of jazz players. This is a few years ago, obviously, when Jerry was coaching. 
Um, actually, you know, his last game he coached in February of 2011 came after uh, a Bulls game. The Bulls beat the Jazz in Salt Lake City. And after the game, we started getting these reports that he was in the locker room and he was very, very dejected and he he was burned out and he said, I had enough. And they were trying to talk to him and convince him in the locker room after the game. No, you know what? Just sleep on this. Come back in 24 hours. We'll talk about it. He said, no, I'm done. And he said, when I'm, when I say I'm done, I am done. And Tyrone Corbin, the former DePaul star, of course, who played in the NBA and was his lead assistant took over as head coach. But, you know, that, that club in the mid seventies, and then what we saw with Utah, one thing that was very apparent and the players fell in line with what the head coach wanted to do. And Dick Mata, the players bought in with the Bulls, with Mata. With Utah, he had two Hall of Fame players, Carl Malone and John Stockton, and they bought in. And Jerry kept it simple. He ran good sets, but those two players bought in. And when your two superstar players buy in, like Pippen and Jordan did with the Bulls, the rest comes organically where new players come into a system and understand what's happening here. And, um, you know, whatever occurred uh, off the floor, they kept it in-house. There were, if you look guys at Utah in Salt Lake city, and again, I get it. It's a small market. There were a couple of newspapers. The Adventist sports radio hadn't arrived yet when Jerry took over, but that organization had very few leaks and they kept everything in-house with Frank Layden and Jerry Sloan. And the players knew exactly what was happening. I think you just provided some great insight to me, or perhaps even an answer to the to a question that I was asking yesterday. And that that is how somebody could last 23 years as a yep. head coach in the NBA of the Utah Jazz. Chuck, you know that's that's an astounding number. But I think you just answered the question that he players bought in. Um, they, there wasn't leaks. It was no nonsense. And then I guess, what was it about his personality that he was able to keep the player's attention for, for two decades plus? Cause that's unheard of, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he didn't speak a lot. Um, you know, his, his chalk talks were very brief, but, um, to the point as Jerry was, I mean, Jerry, listen, Jerry had a sense of humor. He has a very dry sense of humor and, you know, he loved, he wore that John Deere cap, and he embraced <laughs> everything about the farm. He loved the farm. He loved everything about the way he grew up and the chores and the tasks. He was a task-oriented person. Um, you know how we make our little lists at home? We need this, 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 this. He loved lists. And so you get, a, you get to the point as a head coach where he knew that, listen, I've got two really good players here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna run this pick and roll, and everyone in the league. There are different variations, but as you know, everyone knew when you played the Utah Jazz what you were gonna get with Stockton, Malone, and Mark Eaton, and Antoine Carr, and all these players that were coming in as satellite players surrounding these two stars year after year. But he also knew Jerry knew that it was a players' league, and so he he pushed that envelope, but didn't extend himself. And I think that was the key lasting 23 years plus. Ownership loved him, and management loved him with Frank Layden. 
And I'm not sure we'll ever see uh, a Jerry Sloan again or a pop where they last 20 years with one team. Uh, but he, he was amazing. Uh, he learned a lot after his experience with the Bulls uh, because, you know, he, he was only the coach for three years and he took them to the playoffs in 81 in a best of three. Think about this, a best of three playoff series and they beat the Knicks uh, and then they were swept by Boston in 81. But he was a remarkable person, just a straight shooter, great guy. I think that the part of being a straight shooter and the honesty that resonated with players, you, the guy not lying to you is a, is, is huge. And players know that what he says is, is honest. And it was Jackie McMullen of ESPN.com related a story going back to 2006 when Sloan coach of the jazz was asked if he needed to be patient with his youngest player, then 19 year old CJ miles. Mm -hmm. And Sloan's response is, I don't care if he's 19 or 30. If he's going to be on the floor in the NBA, he's got to be able to step up and get after it. We can't put diapers on him one night and a jock strap the next night. It's just the way it is. That's plain spoken, that's honest, and that's talking. He would, If he had something to say about anybody else on the team, it would be just as honest and spare and, 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 and candid as that. And that was the thing about Jerry Sloan. Players knew he, wasn't, they, they wouldn't lie to him. Absolutely. And, and you know, that was a great quote you just read, Steve. Here's the thing. C.J. Miles came out of high school, Skyline High in Dallas, Texas. Was a terrific player to go, obviously, from high school to uh, the NBA. But one thing about Jerry, the, the way he delivered the message, I think the, the players respected it. It wasn't acerbic. I mean, he, he listen, Jerry could get after it, trust me. But when he dealt with player relations – he was extremely transparent, and we use that word a lot, but he was. But the manner in which he delivered the message, it's like a parent and a child. It's how you deliver that message mm -hmm. and the manner in which you convey that and communicate. And that's why all these tweets now you're seeing from players that have passed through the Jazz system, uh, whether they were young players at the time or veteran players, and it's a, it's a tribute to Jerry Sloan. I read a quote today from Alex English who's a Hall of Fame player, scored a ton of points with the Denver Nuggets, and he was a free agent at the end of his career. And he could have signed uh, with a couple of clubs that were really interested, including Utah, but he elected to sign with Dallas. And he came out today and said, you know what? I, I made a mistake. I regret it. I should have played for Jerry Sloan, a man that epitomized what, and I'm paraphrasing, as far as the way he handled the club and himself, and his passion for the game. And you see all these players now coming out. And really, I mean, it's a credit to what Jerry Sloan invoked and willed into his team on a nightly basis. I mean, he listen, all you have to do is go on YouTube and Google in Jerry Sloan in the search engine, and you will see some videos where he got after it with opposing players. Well, I mean, the, the, with the Rodman, when Rodman was playing with the Pistons, Jerry got into it. And, I mean, he was just, he was all ball. I mean, he loved it. That's amazing. It really is. Um, and if I might, uh, Chuck and Steve, a little bit of news from the NBA. I think this is um, some interesting stuff here. The following is a statement from 
NBA Chief Communications Officer Mike Bass, I believe it is. Um, it mm -hmm. says the NBA, in conjunction with the National Basketball Players Association, is engaged in exploratory conversations with the Walt Disney Company about restarting the 2019-20 NBA season in late July at Disney's ESPN Wild World of Sports Complex in Florida as a single site for an NBA campus for games, practices, and housing as well. Um, our priority continues to be the health and safety of all involved, and we are working with public health experts and government officials on a comprehensive set of guidelines to ensure that the appropriate medical protocols and projections are in place. Uh, Chuck, I guess when you hear that, I mean, it, it sounds like the proper protocol, but do you see it as realistic that basketball could be played in July and the, the regular season and all that? What do you think? What do you make of that statement? Well, I mean, this is the first I, first I heard of it. So um, I, I do know that the commissioner, who's done a fantastic job during this, and he has done a fantastic job, um, you know, he's, he's very close to Bob Iger, who runs the Disney uh, corporation and whatnot, and um, and has won the respect, by the way, of the Players Association as well. One thing that I admire a lot about Adam Silver is he gets it. This is a partnership with the Players Association. Owners own, and I get that. I understand it. Um, but the players and their Players Association are working hand-in-hand -hand with the commissioner and the owners. This is a, a tremendous setup right now in the NBA, what we've seen uh, during a very, very um, incredible period in our lives. So what I think they're doing is still talking. I think they're obviously, you know, just putting the old you know, toe in the water to see where this is all going. But I do agree with the commissioner's statement regarding safety first and health first. The health of the players is number one. Obviously, you know, to get this thing going, uh, they want to make sure that they cover each and every step of the way. And so right now, while that statement is great, and I think what it's showing is that they are making an attempt to at least see if something's out there that's substantial um, and concrete, it's still very early in the process, and we'll see what happens. Talking with Chuck Swirsky, voice of the Bulls, here on The Score. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you. Chuck, before we let you go, I uh, not heard, so I want to get from you your thoughts on the Bulls' changes at the top. Well, I think it's refreshing from the standpoint that, uh, you know, whether it's Arturis or Mark are coming in from different organizations, you know, with the optic uh, view of looking at things differently. Um, and so, you know, in the case of both organizations, Arturis from Denver, Mark came in from Philadelphia, and you, know, you look at how those franchises were built, um, especially the Denver Ball Club, because Denver did a lot. They did drafting. They did some trading. They did some free agency. Philadelphia, you know, went with major trades that they've made under Elton Brand the last couple of years. So I, I, I think it's great. I think, it's, I, I think the fans have been uh, rejuvenated from the standpoint that this is a new direction the club's taking. And... You know, I've never met Arturis. Uh, I've heard of him, obviously, and a number of people around the league speak very, very highly of him. I do know Mark Eversley, the new general manager. I first met him well over 20 years ago when he was running Nike Canada when I was doing the Raptors. 
And then he joined the Raptor organization under Brian Colangelo, and he's a man with a great deal of integrity and uh, networks as well as anybody, and I mean anybody in the league, has great relationships with agents and players. So I think it bodes well for the future. Excellent. Thank you. Well, we, we hope there is a future. We hope they, the NBA and all every other sport figures out how to keep people healthy. Um, a vaccine, some treatment for this would get everything back on track. And that's not that's not the league's business, but they, they need that. Uh, Chuck, thank you for your time. Appreciate yep. it. Stay well. Appreciate you it. Thank family. you. Stay, Stay well. well. Yep. Be well. Chuck, Chuck Swirsky, Voice of the Bulls, uh, joining us here on The Score. Um, We'll take a break. When we come back, Mark, I think we need to we need to get to your consumer email, and we need to do what are you doing, Wagner, so we can just talk about what is going on during this quarantine time. What do you say? Yeah, we have a consumer email complaint, and I would <laughs> like to read that email. It's, I will read the full back and forth that occurred, and this is real stuff, man. It's so formal. It's like you're an HR representative. Steve, these are the times we live in, man. We, we cannot... We've got to be serious. We've got to be real. We've got to use <laughs> yeah, strong laugh, words, and uh, there it was. All right. Wait, wait till we get I'll look forward. I'll look forward to hearing about what our trash panda... What, what kind of ruckus he created. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We, uh, we are Saturday Suckage, but you probably figured that out. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on TuneIn. go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening it's better over here after investing billions to light up our network t-mobile is america's largest 5g network plus right now you can switch keep your phone and we'll pay it off up to 800 dollars see how you can save on every plan versus verizon and at&t at tmobile.com slash across america up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. To done. What job? Oh, oh, what are you doing? He threw him out of the ball game. You gotta be paping me. What in the hell are you doing? What are you doing, Wagner? You gotta be kidding me. That is so bad. That is absolutely brutal. That's incredible. That is unbelievable. I'll tell you what. They have got to start making guys be accountable. That is totally absurd. That just tells you he has blue. Here's an umpire in the American League knows nothing about the game of baseball. That's unbelievable. We have always had problems with this guy right here. Welcome in, welcome back. It's time for What Are You Doing, Wagner? Our new segment in which we just sort of find out what people are doing during this COVID-19 time, time of 
quarantine or not quarantine, what's going on. Like Mark Rohde, for instance, is has a podcast, and there's a new topic every week. Mark, what's the new topic? Yeah, the name of the podcast is Let Me Put a List Together. This week's topic will be Chicago-based movies. Movies which were filmed in the city of Chicago. So we'll put our list together. And uh, if you do go to Let Me Put a List Together, you can listen to any of the episodes that we have done so far, whether it's on Saturday Night Live, John Hughes movies, music of the 90s, as in What Hidden Wonders of that time, sitcoms. We got it all. Let Me Put a List Together. You can find uh, the latest link on my Instagram or Facebook page, and we've got uh, pages for let me put a list together as well. It is very entertaining, and I'm, I would like to know what people think about it. And we actually are close to, to a thousand downloads. And like like my partner, and I looked at each other and said, "Wow, people are actually listening to this crap. That's pretty amazing." So, so <laughs> I, we both were seriously were like, "Wow, people are listening." So we, I appreciate you listening to uh, let me put a list together. Steve, thanks for asking. What are you up to, buddy? Yeah, I am. I'm up to. I'm finishing. I'm getting to the last hundred pages of Outlander. I'm reading outside. I'm coloring outside the lines, and I'm reading this version of science fiction, time travel, and and um, learning things. I think it'll make me a better writer. So that's what I've been doing, trying to do Good. that. Good. Um, so share the now that you're the HR department. Share the email. Share. <clears throat> tell the class what spawned this, and then carry us through the uh, give and take you have for us. Yeah, so we did a show last week, and we always tell our producer, the Trash Panda, Adam Stadzinski, if we get calls, you know, we want to know the breaking phone calls. We're not in the studio, so we can't see the phones light up. We don't know what's going on back there. We just have to trust our producer that when there are calls, they don't just have their feet up, and they're not ignoring the phones. Uh, but anyway, um, I get an email after last week's show from a fella by the name of Toby. Maybe you know Toby. Toby, a regular caller to this show now for 10 years or so, one of the lifeblood of our show, one of the, the original <laughs> Wake and Bakers, original cast members of this program. Anyway, I get this email from Toby, <laughs> and Toby just says, your producer won't talk to me. He won't put me on the radio. And then he ends the email with, could I be a guest on your podcast? So, so, then, so then, my response to him was me. This is what I said. I said, I'll have words with him, as in I'll have words with the producer, Adam Staczynski. Toby then responds, yes, do it. This has happened before. So anyway, um, then, final few lines here. Today, I just kind of left it at that. I get an email today. Um, he says, Toby says, when would be a good time to call today? I emailed him back. Toby, at some point, I'm going to call out our producer on the air for making you stay on hold in the past or not attending to your call. Maybe you call after that. And this is the last line. This is from Toby. He says, no, don't do that. He's cool. Just tell him not to be so harsh when screening me and tell him to let you know I'm there. End of story. That's incredible. 
So, wow, what explain you yourself. yourself, trash panda. Okay, yeah. so uh, I'll peel back the curtain a little bit as far as what my job consists of here, especially on a Saturday when I'm the only person at the studio. Well, on the weekends, there's only one producer per show, not like during the week when there's two producers, especially between, you know, six and six when we have a lot more going on. Normally, we have two producers, and there's someone free to answer the phones and take, and, and take calls and screen people and, and various stuff. I, of course, did not mean to slight Toby. I would never do that intentionally. I, don't, I d- probably didn't recognize his number, so I apologize, Toby. That's entirely on me, and it's part of my job that I'm going to strive to be better at. If you call, I will make sure you get on today. It will be the number one priority, in fact, for me the rest of the day. However, what, what, what will happen sometimes is because my number one priority – when producing this show is to make sure that the show is running smoothly, make sure that audio is getting played when it needs to be played, and make sure that I'm playing the breaks as they need to be played and locking spots and all that stuff. And then also I'll have to cut audio. I'll have to podcast. So there's a lot going on. Sometimes I might just put someone on hold and I just won't get to them. Or sometimes you guys will just be rolling and I'll say, yeah, you know, they don't need a caller right now. So that's, my view of it, of course, again, Toby, I didn't mean to slight you. I didn't mean to offend you. So I apologize. And if you call, I'm going to get you on today. And in fact, I'm going to make sure that I interrupt them in the middle of an important sentence. Okay. Well, he's. <clears throat> you satisfied with that, Mark? That was pretty satisfying. You didn't make a lot of excuses. You started to. You started on that path with the <laughs> woe is me, I'm the only person in here. You started on a poor path, but you, you finished strong with that, Adam. I sense some sincerity in you. Uh, but, yeah, you got you to gotta be careful with our top characters on this show because we are nothing without them. Okay. Well, moving right along with what are you doing, Wagner, we have to update of the War of the Cutlers. This is the gift that keeps on giving. The divorce between Jay Cutler, the divorce of Jay Cutler and Kristen Cavallari. We've um, gone week by week through all this, and now we get to the point where they're trying to sell their Nashville mansion. They acquired it in... um, Acquired the scenic 8.5-acre humble abode back in 2012 for $5.3 million. They listed it for sale in 2018 for $7.9 million. And now, according to E-Online, the diva works for E-Online, now Cutler and Cavallari are selling the 25-room house, 25-room house for a little under $5 million. Mediterranean-style home, Built in 2007, 20,000 square feet, seven bedrooms, seven full bathrooms, three half baths. Their former home also features a movie theater, a large kitchen, and an outdoor eating area. Wow. Yeah. What sells more quickly, the Cutler household or the Jordan household? Well... Color household's a lot more attractive. It's cheaper for one thing than whatever Michael's yeah. price, whatever Michael's price is. So, so there you go. There's our update with the, the war. Of How the long has MJ's house has been on sale for? Like a couple of years now, right? Year, like it's been a been a while. Yes, it has. I would venture to say it's been eight years. Seems like it. Yeah, it's been a long, long time and. 
you were going to get every, he tried every inducement he could. Like every Nike, every Air Jordan shoe was going to be part of the deal too. We'll throw in this. We'll throw in that. Now how much would you pay? As long as they had Billy Mays doing the, uh, the real estate ad. Now how much would you pay? So I can so. confirm Michael Jordan's 56,000 square foot mansion in Chicago has been on the market for eight years. Jesus, oh. somebody was right. Good job. Yeah. A couple so of follow-ups here on uh, what are you doing, Wagner? A couple things here from the, the text line, 67011. Um, are you sure it's not Russian robot accounts sending in requests? 1,000 listeners, um, assuming he's talking about my podcast, sounds kind of high. Maybe, maybe. That, that could very well be. Or maybe our accountants and producers are just fudging the numbers. That's very possible. Um and then the second part was, this is from the same texture actually. It says, why does Toby have to do all the work and call you? You should be calling him if you really care. Nah, it doesn't work that way. doesn't work that way on this show. <laughs> I also don't know his number. You're right. Well, you might. It's a it random thing. We don't, we don't like to set up. We don't do premeditated Toby. You know what I mean? Like, it has to be a real. Just like Toby, what the substances that he smokes, they're all very natural. That's what we like to do on this show. Keep it natural. Mm -hmm. Keep it organic. Keep it 100. So we've talked, as we hear stories, like we've talked to Chuck Swirsky about where the, how the NBA is going to play in one of its bubbles and, and how we're dealing with a lot of sports without fans and some of the sports we've already seen the the fans are non-existent the um the kbo the korean baseball and and all of these things are our idea they're they're talking about major league baseball understand there won't be fans there and a south korean soccer team found a unique way to deal with their fanless stadium they put sex dolls in the seats. Come on. No. <laughs> That's, and That's then they up. apologize. FC Seoul used the dolls in place of human spectators at their Sunday match. And um, they just decided to go away from the, the, um, the cardboard cutouts to make it look like someone was there. But they went with the blow-up sex dolls. And they're blaming their supplier for the sex doll mix-up. Sorry about that. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, Whoops. Uh, I love that story. You know what? I, think um, they can, I knew what they were you know doing. What Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco is doing. I heard, he, some, um, heard his name come up this week. Do tell. Yeah. Well, he had a $37 tab for food. He was dining at a restaurant. Florida opens up. I, I I would never feel safe going and Florida's oh my god I I just don't I don't I wouldn't feel safe there but Chad Ochocinco went into a restaurant recently opened after the coronavirus outbreak and rang up ran up thirty seven dollars in food at um, Havana's Cuban cuisine in Cooper City and he left a thousand dollar tip oh that's awesome. All right, guys, Toby's on the line. That's our emergency, that's our breaking phone call sounder. That's pretty dramatic. All right. 
Toby's on the line. Hi, Toby. Hey, guys. Hey. How hey. are you, Toby? How's it going? Not too That's bad. Good. That's good. Your your um your your quarantine's looking up. You had time to go to uh, re- register a consumer email complaint with my co-host. yes. I was able to get to a computer and and send someone an email. Did you have words with uh, the trash panda, Adam Stazinski? Did he apologize I, to you about? Yeah. I uh, yes, and totally unnecessary. It's fine. Um, I was saying, I I actually I have done that job many many moons ago. Being a producer, there's a lot of things going on, and uh, so I get it. No, you didn't seem to get it though. You seemed pretty angry with a couple of the emails he sent. Have you just had time to calm down, or was that the heat of the moment stuff? Because I don't know. The tone that I was reading, Toby, is that you were angry with our producer. Well, that's the funny thing about text, you know, the um, the emotion. I didn't use any emojis, so I could see uh, where you would uh, read into that. Yeah, I mean, come on, send, a, send a wink of, uh, or a smiley face every once in a while so I can, you know, get the tone. You know, that's the only way I, I know. Sar- sarcasm doesn't come through, I guess. So. Well, you said yes do it as in i said i'll have words with him and you said yes do it it's happened before so i don't know that seemed pretty real to me I'm like you can't put a smiley yeah. face yes it's happened before smiley face i mean that yeah. doesn't, that wouldn't even work it was it was i guess it was here the moment yeah okay all right i just wanted to get to that real moment there toby thank you yeah thanks <laughs> do you have any How's breaking it? sports thoughts toby Oh, yeah, tons. Um, Let me go to my Breaking Sports Thought journal. Um, Oh, it's blank. Damn it. There's no sports going on. That's as blank as your radio producer days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so how have you been spending your quarantine time without sports, Toby? Oh, you know, I would... (laughs) I guess I could kind of blow my cover here. Um, I'm doing some important work, um, uh, and feeling, feeling good about it. So I, uh, have always had an important job and I, so I have always been a telehealth professional. Well, I guess for the last like three years, when I first met you guys, I was first going back to school and, uh, but helping some people recently. So that's good. Are you allowed to provide any more detail than that, Toby? We're not asking for names. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Just um, so I'm a counselor, counseling people. And many people need that from home now. And uh, even when I was back in school, so I had some IT uh, experience and then kind of melded that with mental health and things like that. So. Do you, you know Dr. Fauci? No. <laughs> I probably wish I did. What if we you found out he, like, worked for Dr. Fauci? Like, he's an assistant. He's a Dr. Birch assistant, and, like, Toby's this big-time guy. Because clearly, right now, we're finding out there's more to Toby than meets the eye. If you are a health professional, a counselor, I don't know if this is my... this kind of getting a little bit too real for me oh i know i know i didn't mean to do that 
but in I'm these o- trying okay unprecedented it. times, you know. I'm okay with the depth presented. I'm okay with layers, Toby. I think that's just fine. As long as it's not but, Dr. Phil you're taking, you know, a, no, a student that teaching assignment from. <laughs> okay. All right. But staying busy. So it's been, it's actually been nice to, uh, Good, to stay busy and be able to connect with people and things like that, at least yeah. virtually. The Zoom lifestyle. That's what I like to call yeah. it. Yep. It's funny that, that that word connotes something stimulating, Zoom. The irony yeah. is that it's not. That we're, it's Zoom, in this case, that we're just sitting on our couches having right. meetings with people and trying to make sure that while we're having those meetings, we are clothed properly and that the mute button is on when it needs to be and the video is off when it needs to be as well. Yes, and there's no uh, implements in the, the screenshot there. Okay, as long as long as you keep that out of sight. Toby, we're yeah. glad you got through today. We have to take a break now, but I'm glad you got through. Okay. And continue Great. continue the good work. People certainly need counseling these days. Oh, I I know it. <laughs> <laughs> See you, man. All right. All right. Thanks, we'll, we'll talk. That's, All right. Bye. That's Toby. I guess next time he makes a uh, breaking phone call, we'll have to ask him how the what what happens to his counseling credibility when he's when his voice is uncovered by a client or a patient who happens to listen to this show and says, "Aren't you that wake and bake guy?" Yeah, like I knew I knew that voice. Some of the feedback we're getting <laughs> too on Toby is hilarious. Like. Why is getting this Toby guy on the air a priority? I'm falling asleep behind the wheel. Dude, yeah. Welcome to the Wake and Bake Club. Are we uh, have to take a break. Let's begin the Sammy Sosa discussion after this. Yes. Top of the hour, we'll talk with Paul Sullivan of Chicago Tribune. He did write about Jerry Sloan. We'll ask him about that. And um, we have thoughts on Sammy Sosa, who will be the subject of a documentary. We'll have... Um, We'll begin that discussion, and we'll continue it with Sully. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Uh, 312-Texter. The text zone, by the way, is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com, 67011. The score's text line. 312. After that call, I'm on Studzinski's side against re, regarding the consumer email complaint. JK. And 630 texter, you can't get that content anywhere else. Yes. Truth. That's exactly right. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. We'll uh, Top of the hour, we'll talk with Paul Sullivan, uh, columnist for the Chicago Tribune, in the wake of the news columnist, longtime baseball guy. He wrote about Jerry Sloan today, but... He certainly has some thoughts on Sammy Sosa. So as we exit the last dance with the complicated legacy of Scottie Pippen, we come to the uh, next documentary, the 1998 home run race. I think the doc is called Long Gone, and it will be the complicated legacy of Sammy Sosa that we will eventually be dealing with, won't it, Mark? What do you think? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think that... Considering the power of the documentary, considering the power of the 3030, which are all really well done by 
ESPN, what mm -hmm. we just saw with Michael Jordan, the entertainment factor and the information that came out of it. And in general, we're in an era where documentaries are watched closely and they are often followed up on. They often make news. I mean, even look at something as crazy as Tiger King, where there's follow up with it and you do more research. That said, and especially in this time that we are where we're all you know dying for sports, I think that a lot of people will watch the, the Sosa McGuire home run chase of 1998, 30 for 30. I think that this, with all that said, that this could either raise Sammy Sosa up and rehabilitate his reputation and maybe get him, get people talking about him in a good light again and get him back to Wrigley Field, maybe even, and this would be a different level, maybe even get him back in the Hall of Fame talk. I think that these things are that powerful that that could do it. Or depending on how he's portrayed, it could do the antithesis where it could put the final nail in his reputational coffin, where it could be like, okay, we gave him one more look. This guy's a tool or he's a fraud or he's a phony. Get him out of here. So I really think it's going to have those extreme. It's one or the other. It's going to be, okay, let's take a look at Sosa again differently, or this is kind of what we thought. I don't like him. Never mind the 609 career home runs. Goodbye, Sammy Sosa forever. Okay, so that I I got some thoughts on that too, but I know you and Dan, but you sat in for Danny Parkins, McNeil and Parkins yesterday, right? Last yeah, days. for the last couple of days, as a matter of fact, and yeah, right. one of the guys that we had on was Ron Coomer, just talking all sorts of baseball. So we threw it out there as a question to, to Coomer: well, What do you think about this documentary coming out? Are you looking forward to watching it? I loved it when we were playing, and I was involved in it, and I was playing during that time. And it was great for baseball because we needed it in the worst way after what happened in 94 with no World Series. So it was definitely a shot of adrenaline to our game and it brought fans out and all those positive things. But, you know, what it's going to end up doing, Mark, is you're going to end up opening up these old wounds of, of things that were going on during that time. And to me, I would just as soon um, let all those things lie and just – let him go away and blow away in the wind and and move on from there instead of glorifying a time where, you know, the the stars of our game were all blatantly cheating. So, you know, to me, I, I won't watch. I, I really, I'm definitely not going to make a point of watching it. If it's on, I'll probably end up seeing it. But, you know, I watched The Last Dance every Sunday. I was locked in. This thing, not so much. Here's my take on it. You, you went through all this and you, you, okay, it was great for our game. We had fans come back, all those things. If you didn't know what was going on in our game at that time, you had your head in the sand here in Clearwater. Um, but then to flip over and then make it, you know, and tear down and tear down the game and then say that um, we didn't know, come on, really? <laughs> we talked about it in these union meetings, like, you know, are, are the guys that aren't taking it going to get protected? Are, are, who are we negotiating for, the cheaters or for the guys that aren't cheating? You know, and, and is baseball, what, what are we doing here? So I just, I'm not a fan of the glorifying of the guys that are cheating and cheated. Not cheating, but cheated. That's my biggest issue. I mean, to me, I, you know, and cheating terribly. Not, you know, not like, you know, the guy threw a spitball to get a strikeout. You know, this is guys that are doing things that are, changing our, our game in, entirely. So, yeah, I'm not a, not a big fan of this whole idea of glorifying this once again. McGuire admitted he did it. 
Um, and Sosa has not said anything like that. So we'll, that complicates the legacy. The discussion will go on. We will take a break. When we come back, we'll discuss that with Paul Sullivan of the Chicago Tribune. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. We're Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. 